This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, let's take a look at this. Well, okay, let's go back. Hold on. I want to. I want to just do a flashback here. How many times have you heard me say over the years about various topics, especially about some of the recent stuff that's been going on, that the things that you do in politics against your political opponents will be used against you you no longer have power you've heard me say that a lot right so the first impeachment was based on a lie and something that wasn't a crime so the president was impeached by the house of representatives purely because of partisanship not because he did anything wrong the second impeachment was the exact same thing which included 10 turncoat republicans and i'll call them turncoats including two in michigan looking right at you fred upton There was no crime in what President Trump did. Period. End of story. And if we are going to get to a point where we are going to say somebody who alleges that they've been wronged and they get angry about it and their supporters get angry about it, if that person is going to be responsible for the behavior of all of those people, then everybody at CNN, everybody at MSNBC, and half of the Democrats in the House of Representatives should be in jail now. But we're not willing to go that far. Why? Because we're a free country and we're not a totalitarian banana state yet. Working on it. Trying to get there. But if you're going to make the case that just because he was angry and he felt like he had been wronged and he's the one that caused people to get upset. That's not a justification to try and say that he committed a crime in the United States of America. Period. Period. End of story. And anybody who makes the allegation otherwise is a tyrant. So you got 10 Republicans. And again, I I told you the political expediency bit was going to come out. Uh, The political class that hates Trump's guts were going to obviously take up the mantle because it was finally an opportunity, right? And then everybody else who felt like they were vulnerable with their uh, politics was going to have to deal with it. And some of them, I think one of the guys in Michigan is a freshman, right? Just got there. I didn't look, probably sought President Trump's endorsement. I don't know for sure, but... You know, at the end of the day, he didn't break any laws, folks. You can't impeach him. That's just how it is. You may not like the guy. You might want some kind of a political strategy to keep him from being reelected in the future, which, again, just tells me you're still scared to death of him. But he didn't do anything illegal. The impeachment was a farce. The first impeachment was a farce. They were both farces. And as I told you before... Once you start using these tactics where they're not about substance at all, they're purely about politics and winning elections and satisfying and and satiating the appetites of your rabid base, you're going to have a problem when other people have an opportunity to do it to you. Here we go. Representative Marjorie Greene says she's going to file impeachment against Joe Biden on the first day of his presidency in order to avoid violence. Oof. I like her already, to be honest with you. Newly elected Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's from Georgia, announced on Wednesday 
that she would be filing articles of impeachment against President-elect Joe Biden on the first full day of his presidency. She made the announcement during an interview on Newsmax. I would like to announce on behalf of the American people that we have to make sure that our leaders are held accountable. We cannot have a president of the United States that is willing to abuse the power of the office of the presidency and be easily bought off by foreign governments, foreign Chinese energy companies, Ukrainian energy companies. So on January 21st, I will be filing articles of impeachment on Joe Biden. Now, Greg Kelly is the host over at Newsmax. He's, he's great, by the way. He's fantastic. Noted that the effort would have a slim chance of success in the democratically controlled House of Representatives and asked her if it would be merely symbolic. And she says, well, like I said, I'm a big believer in having people in office that are actually willing to do the job. And I can't imagine people in this country being so fearful of a future of a Biden presidency that they may be willing to commit violence like they did in the Capitol here in Washington, D.C. We cannot have that. I do not condone that violence. The American people need hope, she added. They need to know that there are Republicans in Congress that are willing to stand up and fight for them, regardless of being in a minority, regardless of having all odds against us, against me, or against anyone in Congress. We have to hold people accountable. Well, son of a gun. Here's the thing. I Obviously, we don't have her, her articles of impeachment because she hasn't drafted them yet, but, you know... What I find real interesting about this, out of the gate, she will have more evidence against Biden than they ever had against Trump for anything they've accused him of. I mean, that's saying something. Obviously, it's not going to happen. We know it's not going to happen because the Democrats won't do it. And I doubt that Republicans would do it either, but... You know, maybe if you all get your act together in two years and send the right people to Washington, D.C., then perhaps, perhaps you'll have some Republicans who are willing to fight for you. We'll see. But a bunch of people are going to, oh, this is frivolous. This is just wrong. This just means, well, what do you think that happened in the past four years? You know, the, the sad reality, as I've told you before, you know, they wasted four and a half years of your time with a conspiracy theory that was never true and never had any evidence of being true. And some of you still do not want to believe it. Trump didn't collude with Russia. It didn't happen. Every investigation into the matter proved it didn't happen. If it did happen, it wasn't illegal. Hillary did it with the Ukraine. I'm not calling for her to be thrown into prison. It wasn't illegal. But beyond that, it never actually happened. An innocent man was lied about and set up and evidence was fabricated against him in General Michael Flynn. That is not up for debate anymore. That is not a theory. That is not my belief based on anecdotal evidence. That is what the actual evidence and the FBI agents have now said. We're done with it. Remember, it was an FBI agent who was involved in that case who blew that thing wide open. He's the one that gave all the evidence that Flynn was innocent and set up on all of this. I mean, we can go down the line if we really want to. I don't need to. 
all of that anger and all of that hate that was drummed up by people, all of those uh, advocacy, advocations of violence and harassing Republicans and Trump supporters when they go out there. You have a, a member of Trump's campaign here recently was trying to go into a, a television station to do an interview that he was scheduled for, and the building wouldn't let him in because he was, quote, on a list. Forbes magazine is going out there and telling anybody, any business who hires anybody who worked for Trump, campaign or administration, that Forbes magazine is going to go after them. What? You got people at news agencies calling for re-education camps, not just for Republicans and Trump supporters, but for their kids. That's not sane. It's evil is what it is. Straight up evil. There's no other term for it. It's evil. I mean, you are dealing with people who are absolutely 100% deranged. They are rabid, feral, deranged tyrants. That's who you're dealing with. Now, there will be some people out there who go, hey, uh, the representative here, uh, Marjorie Green, her doing this is only going to send them further into that. Well, maybe. But I told you before, I've adjusted my strategy. Being, being the nice guys and intellectually consistent doesn't really make any sense anymore because Republicans were always that, and it didn't get them anywhere. It lost them the culture war. And yes, Republicans lost the culture war. So, how do you get it back? Well, they set the rules. So you play by their rules. You implement the same commenting policies that they have on their platforms, on your platforms. You file impeachment when they file impeachment. Maybe you do other things too. I don't know. Certainly some people at the Capitol felt like we needed to do exactly what um, they, they have been doing for the past four years. You know, I was going back and I was watching the interviews with Jack Dorsey, he's the CEO of Twitter, uh, on Joe Rogan. He was on Joe Rogan a couple of times. And uh, one of the times he was on with Tim Pool and then the uh, the lady that basically runs day-to-day -day Twitter operations and everything else. And Tim Pool just basically just, you know, spent the entire time destroying all of them for their lying. But, you know, we're, we're sitting here in an interview where you've got Jack Dorsey saying, I believe social media is a basic human right. Now, he said that. Now, he's the CEO of Sitter, uh, Sitter, <laughs> Twitter. Well, if he believes that Twitter is a basic human right, then kicking anybody off her means that they're not. That's a real problem. You can't deny people basic human rights, right? Routinely admitting that they should not have done things that they did and then never fixing the problem. You start running into real issues here. They impeached not once, but twice, frivolously. What did you expect other Republicans to do going forward? It may not have a chance at all of seeing the light of day. It doesn't really matter. They're going to continue doing it. And for the record, I mean, those are just the two impeachments that were successful. Uh, there's that uh, Representative Green. He files impeachment against every Republican every year. But... May, um, not, not this representative green, the other guy, uh, the weird dude. So perhaps that's what Republicans need to do is file impeachment every single time. Casey's just going to escalate. Hmm, maybe 
maybe eventually somebody says, look, we're getting ridiculous here. We're starting to behave like the Taiwanese parliament where we're getting to fights, fist fights, you know, in, in Congress. And we got to stop doing this. Perhaps, maybe, mutually assured destruction is the way to go. Because being the nice guys didn't work for Republicans at all. They made the rules. All right, play by your rules. They don't like it. They hate playing by their own rules. They despise it. But Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, is playing by their rules. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon, Casey Henderson here. Don't forget, we are live streaming. Go watch the video, hang out with us, talk during the commercial breaks. DLive.tv slash Casey the host. DLive.tv slash Casey the host. While you're there, please hit that follow button. And it doesn't cost you anything. It's totally free. Free speech uh, survives and lives on DLive at this point in time. So I want to just go over a couple of other things here. Because, again, pointing out the hypocrisy of all of this, I think, is critically important. So Amazon, their AWS service is what took Parler off the air. Uh, well, off the internet, should say. Uh, Parler had less violations than Twitter does for the exact same thing. Twitter uses the AWS service just like Amazon. Twitter, long, rich examples of not removing the type of posts that they demanded Parler remove, and that's why Amazon got rid of Parler, but they won't get rid of Twitter. Twitter's a big customer of theirs. That's why this comes down to competition and monopolies protecting monopolies. So Amazon should not be allowing at least 204 examples of merchandise on their stores to openly call for killing Trump supporters. But they do. Now, you need to understand something about Amazon. And I've defended Amazon and Walmart and things like that in the past because they have these online repositories. I own a small business. I can sell my products on Amazon. And I can do that a couple of different ways. I can use them kind of like eBay, right? So I, I post it, it's for sale, somebody buys it, I send it to them. Or... I can go the much preferred way, which allows prime delivery and everything else, is I can send my products to Amazon's warehouses, they'll store it, inventory it, and then when it sells, they send me the money and they ship it. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. There's different ways you can do that. But I want to hold Amazon accountable to the Amazon's own rhetoric. Amazon says that you're not allowed to have those things. And if people are posting on your platform violent rhetoric, you have to remove it in a timely fashion that Amazon sets. Okay, well, there's at least 204 examples of merchandise on Amazon right now calling for Trump to be murdered, calling for Trump supporters and Republicans to be murdered. They have a whole thing. Kill all Republicans. Where is Lee Harvey Oswald now when we really need him? Things of that nature. That stuff is not supposed to be on Amazon services. Now, Amazon may, after hearing about all of this, go through and start taking all of this stuff down. But how long has that stuff been on Amazon? Why hasn't it been removed sooner and quicker? They have far more resources than than Parler has and just use the rhetoric from Facebook. So if you want to have a standard where you're not going to allow all of this, then you need to be applying that standard to yourself. You need to be applying it to your really big multi-million dollar business partners and stuff too they're not doing that 
Facebook has a, a data deal with Amazon, which by the way, they kept secret for a long time, was only discovered because of a breach in 2018. And Amazon uses, or uh, Twitter uses Amazon's AWS service exactly the same way the Parler does. So why isn't Amazon applying the same standard to themselves and to Twitter and to Facebook? Why isn't Apple and Google applying the same standard they applied to Parler to all of these apps and to themselves? I mean, Apple's letter to Parler was laughable. I mean, that was one of the most laughable things out there. You know, the fact that they were saying that you're ultimately responsible for everything that your your user posts. Okay, here's the problem with that. Well, there's a couple of different problems. One, all right, first thing, we'll just do the, the funny bit and kind of pick on Apple. Apple saying that Parler is directly responsible for the posts on their platform suggests that Apple is directly responsible for the San Bernardino terrorists because they used iPhones. Remember, that led to the whole iPhone thing. I think I talked about this on the premium stream today. FBI versus Apple. The FBI wanted a master key so they could break into iPhones. The FBI said they needed to get into the San Bernardino terrorists' iPhones. Apple said no. Well, Apple must be responsible for the terrorists. The terrorists used the phones to coordinate a terrorist attack. And if Parler is directly responsible for the posts on their platform, then Apple is directly responsible any time an Apple device is used in the commission of a crime. But there's another aspect of this. Well, that's hysterical. But there's another aspect of this that is what I think one of the funniest bits of all of this, this whole discussion. When Apple says Parler is directly responsible for the posts that people make on Parler's platform, that is a direct contradiction to U.S. federal law. It's in a little place that you may or may not have heard me say before. Section 230. Section 230 states, if you are a platform and not a publisher, which Facebook and Twitter and Parler and Gab are supposed to be, you are not directly responsible for the posts on your platform. If you are a publisher, you are. So Apple their case to Parler is that Parler is actually a publisher and is, according to law, legally responsible for all of their users' posts. The problem with that is Parler isn't a publisher. Parler is a platform. Parler and Gab operate in accordance to what Section 230 actually is. Facebook and Twitter violate Section 230 with regularity. That is one of the issues with needing Section 230 reform. Facebook and Twitter tried to decide, oh, we're a platform in this case, but we're a publisher in this case. You can't have Section 230 protections if you're a publisher. So Apple has asked Parler to violate Section 230 so that Parler is no longer eligible for Section 230 protections under U.S. federal law. Excuse me? Get it? The whole thing is absurd. There has never, ever been a better example of why Section 230 needs to be reformed than what we're seeing right now. And as people have posted on the 
on the live stream here. Facebook was responsible for the Christchurch Christ uh, shooting. Remember those that news crew that got assassinated? That was all Facebook Live. That'll happen on Facebook. There were posts. There were posts for weeks leading up to that stuff. They didn't take them down. Didn't notify authorities. There's a lot of things that we could go with this, but you get the gist. All right, we'll move on, but you get the gist. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right, the lady with the painted eyebrows, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Once again, restaurants you can't open for another two weeks. At the very least, another two weeks. Look, we went over Michigan's data yesterday. Michigan is doing really good right now. And we've also been over restaurant data before. Now, here's the thing about restaurant data and its relationship to COVID infections. The data is very limited and it is all over the place. So you will have some studies and again, they're preliminary, they're not peer reviewed, but you'll have some studies that will come out and go, yeah, we see a direct link to restaurants. Uh, for example, the CDC thinks that there's a, a link there. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer said that that was justification for not allowing anybody to be able to go and eat at restaurants until at least February 1st. That was her justification. We know that it spreads in restaurants. Well, most of the data suggests that restaurant spread with patrons is very small. However, you do tend to get some spread with employees, which could lead to other secondary infections and things of that nature. So there is an argument there to be made. When you look at, for example, California, one point Governor Newsom had said, California, 10% of infections are tied to dining restaurants. When tracking data was released, and you could argue that tracking data is incomplete. That's fair. But when tracking data was released, we ended up finding out that it was less than 4%. So it wasn't the 10% that the governor was saying, it was less than 4%. And again, you can only do these assessments based on the data that you have available. And we don't know where Gavin Newsom came up with the 10%. We have no idea. We know that the tracking data in New York shows that it's, you know, less, is it less than three or less than 2%? Hold on, let me pull this up here because I just had it. Um, it's less than 2%, okay? So in New York, they showed it was just 1.4% of infections were actually traced to restaurants and bars. In Minnesota, it was 1.7%. And gyms, hair salons, retailers were a fraction of a percent. So people don't get sick going to the, generally speaking, they don't get sick going to the grocery store. Generally speaking, they don't get sick going to uh, retail establishments and that sort of thing which is another argument why so many retail establishments are saying, hey, we can open our doors, we're fine. If somebody is afraid of the virus and doesn't want to get sick, they don't come in. Really isn't that hard. Let the people decide. The choice has been taken away. That's, that's the main complaint here. So again, when you have somebody like Governor Whitmer come out and say, we know for sure, for a fact that this happens, you don't. There is some anecdotal data that would suggest that perhaps you have a point and there's nothing wrong with going out there as the governor of a state and saying, we're not going to let everybody do it. Look, we're in a good position. We're on this steep dive with cases. Uh, we're going to give it another two weeks just because we're being abundantly cautious. And we're not 100% sure if, if this could be a real issue. We don't want it to spike again. 
If you do that, at least what you have is you have the population. You'll have some people still griping, obviously, but at least you'll have the population looking at it and going, all right, at least see where she's trying to come from. But when you make these broad sweeping statements that are not supported by the data, then you start to have people push back, like well, me. Um, and that, that becomes a real issue because people don't trust you anymore. I mean, nobody should trust Gretchen Whitmer. For the record, nobody should trust her. I mean, this is a woman who put senior citizens. She mimicked everything that Cuomo did. All of the things that Cuomo did wrong in New York, Whitmer did. Why? Because she's a new governor and she didn't know what in the world was, was going to happen or how to handle this. And she deserves at least a little latitude with that. I get it. Nobody's ever dealt with this before. You have no idea what's going on. Cuomo's very experienced. Uh, big city. He does something. Nothing wrong with trying to mimic him. But the moment you realize it's not working, you got to stop. You don't double down. You don't pass the buck to somebody else like she did. I mean, her own party was telling her, why are you putting sick people in with senior citizens? Democrats in Michigan. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the politicians, the political class. What are you doing? You're putting sick people in with our most vulnerable population. Why are you doing that? And Gretchen Whitmer says, I didn't do that. My health department did. I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with it. And then we find out through leaked emails that she did. She signed off on it. <laughs> it's like, what What are you doing? And then she tried to give the, the uh, contact tracing contract to a Democrat firm, which would have used it for voter day. I it just... Folks, I don't know. There, it is frustrating to me because this would irritate me no matter who did it. And I think it would irritate a lot of you no matter who did it. There are people out there who are like, uh, well, you know, yeah, she did those things, but whatever, it's not a big deal. People died. Like a lot of people died because of what she signed off on. Because she was mimicking what New York was doing. And again... It's not her fault she didn't have the experience at the time, right? That's, that's It wouldn't be fair to blame her. Well, you didn't have the experience. She didn't know what she was doing. She looked at somebody she thought did. She, she emulated him. It was wrong. And then she continued. And there's no doubt. She's going to go out there. Oh, it's the mass and the lockdowns that, of course, made all of this, all of this possible, which doesn't show up anywhere else in the world. Um, you know. And this spike is a little bit longer than the first one in the state of Michigan, um, but it's not as severe as far as the daily peaks as the first one. So the first one burned hotter, faster. This one has simmered for longer in Michigan. And, you know, there's there's a lot of people that I know in in industry, obviously, in Michigan, and they are hurting so bad right now. The idea that you're not going to let them even try, you know, and I get it. She said, oh, February, we're hoping to do that. I'm not, I'm not positive or confident that February is going to happen. I, you know, I hope it does. I really do. But, you know, she says that she hopes to let restaurants reopen indoor dining in February. Hopes to. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I hope that happens because I just, I don't want to see any more clothes. I don't. There's no reason for it. You know, you have some anecdotal data. Again, I just want people to understand the truth here. Some anecdotal data, and there are studies that are all over the place on this, 
that show that there could be a a connection with bars and restaurants, um, at least in some states. Okay. The actual contact tracing data that is available shows that it's between one and four percent. Now you could argue that one and four percent is enough, and that's fair. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's totally fine if you want to make that case, and that's just a reasonable argument to make based on the available data. But what has happened is, again, the narrative is everybody's getting sick at restaurants, and so restaurants are closed down. The other thing that we have is we have that retail and gyms account for a fraction of a percent of cases. So why are they closed? If you close restaurants, at least you could argue 2 to 4%, mm, not good. All right. But what about everybody else where infections are extraordinarily rare? Why can't they at least operate? So that way people aren't, aren't losing their jobs and shutting their businesses down. I mean, there is going to be... There's going to be a massive, massive gap in large swaths of our of our economy going forward for for many, many years. Um, never mind what's going to happen with education and everything else. Yes, we've got some returning to in-person instruction happening. That's good. That's fantastic. Um, my kid now has to be out of school for ten days because she had a sore throat today, so we kept her home because we're responsible, ladies and gentlemen. We kept her home. Of course, the school's like, "Yep, yeah, ten days. Keep her out." So yeah, we'll get a rapid test and you know see how that goes. But um, you know, it's just, um, it's maddening to watch this because honestly, the people that are, the people that are on the cold mask side, while many of them have become deranged, feral, stray people, at the core of it, they just want to save lives, right? And then you look at this side who is pointing out the data, which doesn't support the cult of mask side at all in any capacity. And this side just wants to save lives too, but we also want to save people's livelihoods. And it doesn't make sense to destroy livelihoods for things that we don't have any data showing to actually save lives. So the extremes on both sides are actually coming at it from a, a relatively compassionate position it's just that they're they're not able to find any compromise whatsoever because mostly because the cult of mask has just gone full for lack of better terminology fascist i mean there's just no other explanation for it i mean the cult of mask karens are just absolutely bonkers and nuts we're at a point where they're attacking people uh people are asked to wear masks are attacking people which needs to stop Look, I said this from the very beginning. I support your decision to not wear one. I do, 100%. And I realize that your decision not to wear one, if you're healthy, if you're at least asymptomatic, is really not a danger to anybody around you. That's what the data shows. That's what the experts say. That's not what Casey says. That's what the data is. So I'm okay with that. Now, if you're sick and you're leaving your house and you're running around spreading it everywhere, you're a jerk because you're just making it worse for everybody else. But what I've asked everybody to do is, one, just adhere to the guidelines uh, because I don't want them to continue to use that as an excuse to continue to shut things down. And we've already seen that they've done that. And they've inst installed fines and everything else. Everything that happened in St. Joseph County and Elkhart County here recently, that was their logic was people weren't wearing masks, which we know is not true. We know that that is a false narrative. But also, if you're going to go into a business, don't take it out in the business. 
and please don't take it out on the employees because that's look that's their private property and if they want to have that policy they're allowed to have that policy it doesn't matter if it's a law it could be a silly policy that's their policy private property rights i'm okay with it Uh, find another way and a lot of those employees they don't have any any say in it either it doesn't do you any good screaming at them it's that's not that's not that's not going to help you in any way it's not going to help them you know they're just following orders and they they have a job and they want to keep that job you know a lot of other people don't have a job because gretchen whitmer won't let anybody open the data suggests that she should be opening so she says she's hopeful for february 1st i'm not holding my breath <laughs> just i'm just letting you know i'm not holding my breath but we'll see got more coming up new stock 95.3 michiana's news channel Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So I don't know if you're aware, but the third season of Cobra Kai has been released. I have not started watching the third season yet. Of course, this is the television series that is on Netflix. Started on YouTube. It is now a Netflix series. Uh, It's a continuation of The Karate Kid. And it is amazing. It is one of the best pieces of television put together in a long time that's probably not in like an epic drama genre really good show and i highly recommend cobra kai to everybody so season three's come out and naturally the woke nazis are out and demanding that cobra kai uh be taken down and all of that other stuff because cobra kai is too white It was only a matter of time before the anti-art woke Nazis targeted Cobra Kai for annihilation. After all, this is what these monsters do. They target everything we all love, everything universal, so that it becomes divisive. And they're saying that Cobra Kai doesn't have enough diversity in their cast, and therefore, it's got to be taken off of the air. There is actually quite a bit of diversity in the cast, but maybe when you're a woke bigot, You just assume that everybody who isn't Caucasian but is light-skinned is still just white. we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.